0: you just say
1: happy birthday this time because chances are it's someone's birthday today <laughs> birthday. somebody's birthday today happy birthday it is may the 4th and you are watching freightonomics here on Freightways tv or however you're viewing it maybe linkedin in which case maybe you want to talk to anthony and reach out I am Zach Strickland, uh, Head of Freight Market Intelligence here at Freightways, Chief Economist Anthony Smith, who will be monitoring your comments from LinkedIn if he feels like it. Maybe he's being rude. You'll never know. Uh, But we are here to talk about what's going on with transportation, supply chain, economics, as well as the larger macroeconomic environment. Anthony, we had a big announcement yesterday, Fed deciding to release, you know, increase rates another quarter basis points <laughs> uh, 25, uh 25 percentage points I should say uh which is interesting you know we're gonna break that down as well as talk about you know what are we what are we saying when we say is this the bottom right there's a lot of debate going on around what is the bottom what makes the bottom we'll break that down but first off Anthony get, get that market in too yeah let's give everybody a, a quick freight market update here Starting Kevin. in three two one. Go. All right. Looking at the outbound tender volume index, counting the number of transactions, uh, tenders going from shipper to carrier, uh, both accepted and rejected. Uh, and this is a measure of demand. And of course, demand had a little bit of a moment here in the last few weeks of April. Uh, we saw this thing tick higher as it actually increased about 6% over the course of two weeks. Normally, this would be an extremely strong signal that demand is, is picking up. However, against the backdrop of what you see there in the green and blue lines and the orange line there. It's just not having a big influence on capacity as of yet. So demand is relatively stable and it does look like it might be moving seasonally higher to start the month of May. However, let's go to the next chart and we'll see that tender rejection rates still on the floor. We did see a little bit of a small increase. We jumped back up over 3% here. It had been below 2% or 3% for the last several weeks. uh, Most of April, we spent below 3%, meaning that carriers rejected roughly 3% uh, of the loads they were being tendered. And this is an extremely loose environment. Deflationary on rates, oversupplied. You can go and get trucks whenever you want, and it's staying pretty much glued to the floor at this point, meaning that this really isn't going to get a lot lower. Now, we do have some seasonal influences coming up in May, which I think we'll push this thing a little bit higher, maybe not all the way uh, to where we saw it in the pandemic, however. Let's go to the next chart. And we're talking about the NTI combined with the OTRI here. So NTI measures the spot rates. And just like the OTRI, they're not getting higher. They dropped in the early part of April and now they're kind of leveling out. And I think that's the big takeaway from this chart is that they are leveling out. They haven't really moved for the most of the last couple of weeks. Uh, not going higher, not going lower. And that, to me, is the definition of what a bottom would be, Anthony Smith, is if we're not really seeing a strong uptick, uh, but it's not getting lower. For well said. And I think this kind of brings us back to those
0: conversations that we're having, you know, a few years back around different components mm-hmm. of the macroeconomy. We're talking about all different types of letters. Is this going to be a K-shaped recovery, an l uh, a, a W, um, a U shape, V shape. So there are all these different terms being thrown out. And we're looking at the bottom of where we're at right now. It's really, I think, also important to kind of talk to the expectations on navigating it and getting out of it.
1: Yeah. Anytime you see an index, like there's, if there's, if it goes to zero, you know, the O try only can get as low as zero. Yeah. <laughs> and And that's really not a great thing to happen for anybody if that thing gets all the way to zero. It's, Uh, It's interesting, though, because most indexes can just go down and down and down. And, you know, the OTVI, it can go all the way to zero. We're at 10,700 or something right now. Uh, So there's always room to drop. And I think we kind of set these arbitrary floors with our expectations at times that okay, things just can't get worse. You know, when we're talking about indexes like the LMI, like they're directional indexes. Right. They're measuring the speed, the velocity of change. How much change? Not necessarily, they can't be floored. They're just changing over time. Yeah, and I think that other aspect of like, okay, if things
0: can't get worse, they can certainly stay bad for an extended amount of time. And that mm-hmm. can be, uh, another issue that a lot of people aren't really kind of taking into account because at the beginning of the year you had so many folks talking around in the freight industry hey you know we expect a slow start but next you know second half is really going to ramp up and mm-hmm. things are just going to be great and then you start looking at okay where are going to be some of the catalysts for this of course you have tons of capacity that's still on the market that would have to really be dealt with in some way because i don't see any catalyst for an absurd amount of consumption to really start to spike up a, a whole bunch of goods demand unless you know the fed just like, says, hey just kidding, here's some more stimmy <laughs> checks and, they'll you know, have at it and just undo everything that we've been trying to fight against. So there are very few, if any, um, really catalysts. Of course, we have some seasonal trends that could start to spur some of this, but really to get it back to uh, say, hey, this is a V-shaped recovery right. that we've been looking for, I think are
1: few and far. And I think that's an important thing to kind of break down mm-hmm. a little bit. I have another couple of charts here that you talked about seasonal trends. Mm-hmm. So Seasonal trends typically mean up or downs, uh, you know, that happen on a pretty predictable basis, you know, yearly, the seasons. (laughs) Uh, Let's pull up the NTIF real quick here. And this is showing the forecast in the blue line that's kind of buried under the green line, which is the historical 28-day forecast value. It's in alignment with our current trend here. 28 days is lining back up with our seven day you know our current forecast value here so over time it means that it's staying more consistent with its prediction it did not do well in terms of predicting the downward momentum in april it did early on and then all of a sudden it disconnected there for a minute still though the fact that this uh, what it's doing is it's taking a lot of variables and saying traditionally this is what has happened before so It did do a pretty good job of saying directionally, things were going to get, they were going to go down. But now there's some upstream processes or data that says things may tighten up uh, over the next bit. But I think a lot of this probably has something to do with seasonality and not necessarily a larger recovery. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, we're looking at even on picking different sectors. Of course, one of
0: my favorites to watch is going to be housing and construction. There is that seasonal aspect to it. You know, the spring months warm up a little bit more, then you start getting into a little bit more busier season. Um, Some of the underlying trends in that one are going to be interesting because you see that there's still quite a few homes that have been started but not finished that are still kind of sitting in that backlog. Some of these other industries, we're looking at like the ISM PMI, the backlogs, they're starting to really dwindle. They're in contraction territory. They've been there for months. Looking at new orders have been in contraction really for, I think, around six or seven months. So
1: Dells, all things are running trends too yeah this is not this is not like all, all of a sudden it just fell off like but this is an ongoing thing and that adds up over time um you know I want I want to bring up one more thing produce season is is here uh to an extent uh for California this normally means a very disruptive uh situation for capacity potentially and a lot of carriers out there and, and pro- providers watch this because this means they can get elevated rates and this is one area we're starting to see rates peak back up. This is a spaghetti chart. I know, but this is, this is the chart that I look at. It's a combination of refrigerated rejection rates out of California markets and spot rates coming out of some of the, in some of the bigger lanes, uh, for produce, uh, such as Fresno to Dallas, um, or Fresno to Chicago. And yes, uh, Los Angeles to Dallas is in here. And I'm looking for any of these showing signs of life, like starting to pick back up and the rates from Los Angeles to Dallas, as well as Fresno to Chicago, Salinas Valley up there around Fresno, uh, starting to show some upward pressure on them. Refrigerated rejection rates out of Fresno starting to pick up. But still, Anthony, if you look at this chart, we're talking about just a turtle peeking its head out of from underwater. Like these rates are going up and the momentum is for uh, the changes for them to increase. But they're not increasing really even that much higher than they were at the beginning of the year. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that other trend that
0: you have to kind of keep in mind of like, okay, there's an upward movement. And is that upward movement sustainable? Yeah, And it will uh, continue to moderate at that level. So that's one of the big things whenever I'm doing, you know, different types of forecasts, I'm looking at rates of growth and I see, oh, wow, you know what, I'm expecting some overall downward movement in the next quarter. But then I have a month of rise and it's like, hey, do I call the forecast off? Do I just say, hey, this is no good. I'm like, you know what, wait, I have to see this persist for some time before saying, hey, this is going to be a true shift here. I think that's almost what we're seeing here is this upward movement, a little bit of return to some seasonal trends, but is it going to be sustainable and how long will it last?
1: Yeah. And through these produce seasons, of course, the rates are always captive by the larger environment. If rates are going up in the truckload market in general, these rates will also go up (laughs) regardless of seasonal trends. You know what I'm saying? Like the, and it looks like still, even though we're seeing a little bit of seasonality, that overriding momentum is to f- down to flat <laughs> right. in, in the bigger picture. So LMI came out. Yes. Uh, so we need to break that down in the news and here. A lot, a lot to cover here. So the LMI Logistics Managers Index, and we need to get Dr. Rogers out here uh to talk nine about nine this. Just <laughs> <up one go. laughs> so uh Todd Maiden covers this. Supply chain index hits all-time low in April. Pretty catchy tagline there. So a monthly survey of activity in the supply chain published Tuesday registered an all-time low in April. He's talking about the LMI, um, and he's basically you know this is a combination of transportation and warehousing. So like all of the logistics that you can think about, and it measures pricing and inventory levels, capacity trends, and utilization figures. Yeah, and he highlights that the warehousing capacity actually expanding we're seeing warehousing capacity expand and the inventory level they didn't expand quite as much we hit a value of 50.9 what does that mean to you
0: yeah so one of the big things that i love about this um measure in the report is that he separates it out from upstream and downstream and so one of the things that he saw was that upstream a little bit more sluggishness happening with some of the larger items we're thinking about uh furniture, appliances, stuff that would go into homes. Of course, we can kind of also back into some of the Fed's decisions for the interest rates and how that's been impacting the housing market as well. So, of course, some easing there, but also seeing some um, downward movement in the inventories for some of those further downstream consumer goods. And so that's starting to get cleared out. And of course, we looked at, um, we saw some shifts. when We look at the overall um, imports number in the latest release. I think that happened, I want to say, earlier this week, um, we are definitely seeing the impacts from that there, but we're starting to see some big shifts happening in some parts of the inventory levels. Upstream, not as much. It's still a little bit sticky there, but downstream starting to come down a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and I think the context of the bottom here would be when inventory levels basically flatline, <laughs> that the, the st- stability is the bottom there. So when inventories don't change that much, they're in line with sales expectations. That to me means, okay, we bought them. (laughs) We finally corrected the inventory levels, which it appears we still have a ways to go with inventory management. I think my takeaway, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think the other big Mm. aspect,
0: um, we kind of alluded to this somewhat on our last market expert, um, uh, I would say, uh, not to the union, but really address on the macro scene. And one of the things that kind of came up was, uh, you know what, when we look at replenishment of those inventories in the second half of the year or going into mid-2023, what does that look like now that we're seeing, of course, the value of the U.S. dollar start to edge down compared to where it was, you know, before and, you know, 2022, 2021. Now a weaker U.S. dollar means imports are going to be more expensive and that's going to be some upward movement on potentially inflation overall inflation, the thing you've been talking about. Nobody's really paying attention to the dollar value and all this. Yeah, I think that's going to be one that is, I think, you know, we're we're focusing so much on the inflation number and not enough on the overall value
1: of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, there's not just one thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a complicated world, uh, to put it lightly. So the next article uh, I want to cover, Henry Byers Mm -hmm. wrote his second article. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it published, we talked about it on the round table this morning with Bill Priestley, um, basically saying, second half rebound in ocean container imports, increasingly unlikely. Now there's a ton of macroeconomic data in here. And I want to pull up the IOTI, uh, give a little bit of a backstory. So Henry Byers wrote his first article last June. And the IOTI is a measure of container bookings going from various ports all over the world by by departure date, bound for the United States. So the higher this thing goes, the more demand there is. And last year in that green line, if you can follow the green line there, last year in May to June, it fell off a cliff. And he wrote an article saying, import volumes falling off a cliff. Not a lot of people look at this type of data. This is very near term. Uh, It's very reactive. So it's daily prints. (laughs) Of bookings, so when shippers are saying, "Hey, I want this freight to come to the United States," that's what that's what it's measuring. Yeah, in a container uh, is the denomination here. So we're, you know, flat-ish. <laughs> you know, just like the spot rates, demand for uh, imports has been relatively flat uh, since early March. We had a little bit of a dip, and we've come back a little bit, but now it looks like we just didn't have a big season. Sometimes in April and May, we see a little bit of a seasonal uptick. Um, This translates to surface transportation volumes about six to eight weeks ahead of time uh, for rail and domestic truckload. And he's saying that don't expect this index to get bigger in the second half of the year because of all these macroeconomic indicators like your ISM, PMI, uh, and, uh, you know, and the new orders. Right, yeah, and I mean, That's
0: kind of at the beginning of this conversation is what catalysts are there really i mean we see some near-term short-term catalysts of like hey this will you know spike up some activity here but really in terms of catalysts of really kind of increase any kind of demand we're not seeing any of that now there are some expectations from some that the fed is going to start lowering interest rates in a pretty um you know i would say drastic fashion in the latter half of this year and maybe that will spur some demand but really I'm not hanging my hat on the expectation or the hopes that the Fed will start to lower rates and then that will automatically just kind of be the return to goods demand that the freight economy needs to kind of prop itself back up on or that the consumers are going to be even in the financial
1: position to take part in some of these aspects too. Yeah, and I mean, he cites things like the LMI we just talked about, also the weak PMI and the new orders, but he also pulls in some ADP data Uh, saying employers are pulling back from a year ago of strong hiring and pay growth. After a three-month plateau, it is starting to inch down. This yield curve uh, basically is banking on that. (laughs) Uh, You know, and this is is where it gets really dynamic in the article is where he's saying that people are basically expecting the Fed to start cutting rates by the end of the year based on this yield curve. Yeah. And I think... Is the... (laughs) It's
0: a hope at this point, And you can't really, I think, make um, those type of business decisions on hope. I think you have to make it on, hey, what's the worst case scenario? And how do I have a contingency or a plan around it? And unfortunately, we're looking at what's been happening in the labor market. A lot of it's been delayed reactions um, because there's been such a need for labor, especially the imbalance of where the needs come from. You think about where some of the job openings are. You look at the ADP report. A lot of it Uh, And the job openings report, um, a lot of it's going to come from hospitality. We're looking at services, things like that. That is still incredibly elevated and I would say inflated compared to even where we were pre-pandemic. The services and hospitality spending is still, you know, I think very much elevated compared to where we were a few years ago. And so that has still yet to come down. And so there's been all this stress to source labor. Um, We're seeing folks, of course, are the great resignation and then uh, employers really struggling to pull folks in-house, they're going to be resistant to potentially lay some folks off because they just spent so long trying to pull people in. And so that, I think, is going to have a delayed reaction for a lot of individuals. And then this hope that, you know, the Fed cutting interest rates is going to spur some activity, I think only adds more fuel to the fire, potentially. And so that's going to be another aspect. There's one clip I have to pull up around us uh, talking about Um, expectations for labor around 2023 going into 2024. And I think it has aged very well. So I'll definitely find that clip so we can use that at some point in time. But really, there is, I think, a lot of underlying trends happening with the consumers, with the labor market that are really, I think, cases for concern, especially
1: when we look at the the financial conditions. Yeah, and the labor market is slow. Yeah. Like, so we have not seen the bottom for labor. <laughs> not at all. Like, not at all. And and that's that's part of the problem here is when you're making decisions based on, you know, single points uh, of information. You know, we're looking at the jobs market. It looks relatively okay. Uh, trend line though, is looking worse. Right. And it takes a long time for that to fully manifest and find its bottom. The trucking market has hit arguably the worst, you know, that it's going to get. Removing the future forecast. Um, And IOTI, uh, the the index that Henry's using here, he's basically saying this hasn't bottomed yet. Mm -hmm. Say future forecasts look like it'll be flat to down (laughs) if I'm taking all these things into account, which, of course, the jobs market is even behind that. Right. (laughs) So there's all sorts of things going on here. Bottoms don't all happen simultaneously, right? Oh, 100%. And
0: that's, uh, sometimes Mm. we can see, you know, some industries we've been in, freight recessions where the macroeconomy continues to just move like nothing's ever happening. And then vice versa, we see a macroeconomic recession, but freight continues to move. And so uh, sometimes they don't align, but sometimes they're very closely linked. And when we see the whole spur and demand and how the freight environment reacted to it, and then how it had the impact in the macroeconomic environment, especially with the increase in the money supply, the uh, quantitative easing, and the low interest rates that really have been in place for the last, you know, 10 plus years, I think have really set the foundation for where we are right now. I don't think all of it just happened throughout the creation of of money over the last few quarters here or a few years here in the pandemic, but really, I think the ground has been set over the